Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shore Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. So Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful to be together as church this morning and we're so grateful uh, just really for the things that you're doing in our lives. And uh, we continue to lift up our hopes and dreams, the things that we are uh, excited for, the things that we are feeling anxious about, the things that we have longed for for a long time or, or maybe for a short time. Lord, we just choose in this moment to commit all these things to you, to lay them at your feet and trust, Lord, that you are in them. Uh, Lord, help us to, to lean into your presence, to lean into your peace and into your comfort as we pursue the things that you have in store for us this year. Amen. Amen. This is an empty bottle of Lagavulin 16-year. Why do I have this here? I'm a big fan of single malt scotch. Anyone else? You don't, I know it's church, guys, but we can be honest, okay? Just... Yeah? Oh, am I allowed to put my hand up? Yeah, you are. Who's a big fan of single malt scotch? Okay, six people. Yes. You guys can be my friends, but also everyone else is still my friend. Um, uh, This bottle is empty, and so I'm bringing it here to tell you I think it's delicious, and that my birthday is in September, and I know you guys love me a lot. Lagavulin 16 years. Uh, Lagavulin is made... This isn't even on. It's made here. (laughs) What a spot, right? Port Allen, a little town called Lagavulin, and it's made in this distillery. And isn't that just absolutely beautiful? No, no, the real reason I bring this here is because I am fascinated by the way that patience is is sort of entwined in the fabric uh, of the whiskey business, right? Like, who has an idea, and I recognize that I'm probably just taking some creative liberties here, but who dreams up a business and says, you know what, it's probably going to be 16 years before I'm able to start selling it. I can promise you, you go to a bank today and say, hey, I've got this great business idea, I need to borrow some money, I'm just not going to make any money from it for 16 years. I mean, there are, you can, you can do it for less, 10, I mean, these guys do a... These guys do a 12-year, that's kind of their earliest, but 16 is their main one. Like, who, who does that? Who thinks about business like that anymore? In fact, they don't just do a 16, that's not, like, not their highest, they do a 25-year and a 37-year, right? Just for those of you who don't know much about whiskey, which I think only six of you guys put your hands up, the reason why you leave whiskey for so long is you store it in these barrels, and just over time, uh, the wood from the barrels just breaks down all of the, the, the sort of, uh, I don't know, the really sour parts of it, for lack of better words, and just begins to smooth it out more and more and more. So the longer it sits, the more sort of smooth and rich the flavors become in the whiskey. And so someone somewhere along the line was like, oh, no, no, we're just going to keep leaving it. Oh, but we need to make money. No, 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 we'll keep leaving it. And it'll be pretty good at 16 years, but at 37 years, my goodness, people will pay like $3,780 for a bottle of that. True story. 
patience is baked into like the fabric of the whiskey business. And I'm completely fascinated by it because there are just no businesses that are set up like that anymore. Because we live in a world of instant, right? We live in a world that, that, that is sold to us based on instant gratification. We are more impatient than we've ever been before. In fact, they've done studies already on Generation Z. So that's those who were born uh, between 1990, uh, 1997 and 2010. This, is, uh, this generation is called the digital natives, right? They have been shaped completely by a digital world. They haven't had to go through like the Encyclopedia Britannica or something like that as they've gone through school. They've had this thing called the internet at their fingertips and anything they want to know, they can just sort of type and learn. And so what's happening is in these studies that are coming out about Generation Z, as the first of them begin to kind of just enter the, the workforce over the last couple of years, is that these people are incredibly ambitious, but incredibly impatient. They are confused as to why they're walking into jobs and they don't understand why they're not in the top position at the end of the year. They're experiencing anxiety and depression and stress because uh, they thought that they were going to step into something and suddenly it doesn't work out. And it's like they're so used to having instant access to everything. It's like if they want to learn something, it's like, oh, I'm not just going to wait to like just sort of cultivate the craft over a long period of time. But I can watch a YouTube video and I can learn how to be a music producer. Or I can learn how to make a movie. I can order something online. You know, I can, I can use a credit card. So I don't have to worry about saving for it. I can buy the thing I need. I can buy a camera and I can start a little photography business. You know, it's like instant. How can, I, how can I create something? How can I gain something? There's this instant sense of gratification. And so it seems like patience becomes this thing that is sort of further and further away from us. It's like, and I'm not talking about this as sort of some foreign abstract thing. As a millennial, I'm, I'm still statistically more impatient than the generations above me. And I am an impatient person. I get totally caught up in the swing of things. I get totally captivated by like, what's ahead of me? And I'm like, I can't wait to get there. And I can't wait to do this. And I can't wait to go on this trip and have this thing happen. And I'm so caught up in the future that I, that I often begin to feel a little bit sort of anxious and tense and whatever about right now. Because impatience is built into the fabric of our culture, into the fabric of our society. And patience is a, is, a, is a mark of the West. In fact, um, last week, Stanley, sort of during his sermon, he, he, he put up the, the fruits of the Spirit, and he said, which of these words sort of resonate with you? And I reckon, like, I don't know how many sermons I've sat in where it's like something like that's happened, or I've put them up on the screen and said, hey, which of these is God kind of calling you to? But I was sitting there looking at that list, and I was going, man, I don't, I don't even think I really know like what patience is. Like, my only paradigm for understanding patience is, is in sort of opposition to impatience, right? Do you guys get what I mean? It's like, I know what impatience is. I live in impatience. I know what, I know what that's about. But my only real understanding of what patience is, is the opposite of impatient. Well, I just know it's not impatient. Does anyone else kind of feel like that sometimes? If I ask you to give like a biblical definition of patience, it's like, ah. <laughs> impatience is 
baked into us in some way, shape, or form. And as we all kind of think about the things ahead, I mean, there could be so many different things that we could be longing for, genuine, good, beautiful, profound things. You know, we could be longing to like start a family. We could be longing to to finish university. We could be longing for a promotion. There could be all kinds of things in that you are looking forward to or hoping for or, you know, uh, are really longing to see come through. And it's like, man, I just feel like a little bit impatient about it. And it's hard to know where God is and it's hard to know what things look like while I'm sort of in this period of waiting where I'm just not quite there yet. And so as we sort of think about the year, as we sort of think about this idea of hopes and dreams, I think patience is something worth exploring in some way, shape or form. Um, And so I want to explore this morning, not what it looks like to be impatient, but what it looks to live in patience. What does it look to sit in that space? What does it look to look like to live in the place of patience? And to do that, I want to turn to Psalm 37. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me, and uh, we're going to go through this together. Uh, we're reading verses 1 to 7. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way and over the man who carries out evil devices. Psalm 37, just to give you guys a little bit of context, was written by anyone? King David. Oh, it's always that's a good guess, right? If we're talking about Psalms, it's a pretty safe bet, all right? Not always going to be right, but it's it's a, it's safe to put your money on. Uh, yeah, it's written by King David, um, <clears throat> who, to be honest, was no stranger to wait to waiting. You know, he was anointed as the future king of Israel. Right, But that didn't come into fruition until 13 years later. 13 years later, just try and imagine. It's like if God has promised you something, this is what you're going to be. This is who you are. It's like speaking to his character. It's speaking to the things he's going to do, to the way he's going to change the world effectively. And then you've got to wait 13 years. Like that sounds like some kind of, some kind of torture. Like that is brutal. When is this thing going to happen? When is breakthrough finally going to come? Uh, Worse than that is he's a fugitive. He's on the run from his rival, King Saul. So there's all this sort of like discomfort. There's this angst. There's this sense of like sort of hiding under rocks and and being lost out in the desert and just like, and you know, (laughs) it's just a scary thing. There's so much uncertainty around it. And so this is likely... It's during this time that, that it's likely that this poem, this psalm, was penned. And really what's kind of going on is there's, this, there's almost like this comparison happening. So you see David, he's almost looking at, at, at what, what the other has. You know, this, this other person who sort of isn't in line with God, isn't pursuing the heart of God, isn't really like about those things. And yet this other person seems to have it all together. So there's this element of sort of, I don't know, maybe jealousy or confusion or uncertainty that, that, that David is experiencing. And so there's this very genuine wrestle that comes. And so as he sort of takes this before God, it comes into this psalm and it starts off with this whole thing of fret not. 
right? Fret not about what the other person's going on, but turn your attention once more to the Lord. Um, and then what we see in this, in this psalm, as we kind of work through it, we see that patience is not, is not this whole idea of just sort of sitting there, but that patience to wait on the things of God is actually active. I want us to notice some of the language, right? Starts off, trust, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture, delight yourself, commit your way, be still. Like oh, These are all very, they're quite active things, and we're going to go through them in, in, in a moment. But there are these seven sort of staccato commands that all lead up to that whole sense of wait patiently for him. And so when I, sometimes when I think about waiting, it's like, man, I, it's almost like I just need to sit still, you know? Like in a waiting room at a doctor's office, and you just, you know, it's like when the person comes out and they've got the clipboard and you're like, oh, please be my name. Just please. I've been here for like 45 minutes. What is the doctor doing? So I'll just keep, I have to keep waiting, right? You go up to the reception, and I, I'm sure if you go up to the reception, they just like drop your name down for, oh, I've just been waiting for a while. I've got another, another appointment. Uh, the doctor will see you as soon as they can. Sorry, we're, we're deviating here a little bit. But you know what it's like? It's like, that's, that's what you think about when you think about patience, right? Be patient. But no, actually, it seems like, like what David's talking about here is something far more active, that there are things that we can do, things we can be present to. And so I want to work through um, just really quickly this morning those seven commands that are sort of brought to light here. And so if you've got your notebooks, you can scribble these down and you can track with me just a little bit. So the first thing, the first one of these sort of commands that is dripping with implication for us is we can, right? What does it mean to trust? To trust is to lean into something. Man, have you ever like walked across a bridge that kind of seems kind of a little bit it's sketchy, but you're totally okay with it anyway. It's like you just kind of know these cables, they look strong and you just kind of go. And it's like, I'm just going to trust that this bridge isn't going to give way. And it's like in the same way, we actually have to like step out. It's like, oh man, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know when this thing's going to come through for me, but God, I trust you. So it's just taking all of those things. It's almost like scooping everything, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, scooping them up in your arms and then just taking this step and just, okay, God. I'm going to sort of lean, lean into this. I'm going to lean into you and trust you with all these things. So we have to actually be intentional about that. Lord, I take this thing and I, tr I give it to you and I trust you with it. So trust is the first thing. The second thing is to do good. We can't have those waiting room moments. It's like when we're, when we're waiting on the Lord, when we're looking for something, it's, there's actually a bit of time we have and it's an opportunity to do good, to embody justice, to participate and live in the kingdom in a particular way. If you're like waiting for some kind of, I don't know, if you're waiting for a relationship to come along, or if you're waiting for some kind of promotion, or if you're waiting for something to happen, it's like, don't just wait for those things to sort of come together. It's like, you know, you are a person with creativity, with ideas, with all sorts of things bubbling up inside your heart, things that you're passionate about. So volunteer down at the, at the local soup kitchen. You know, maybe even start a little side business and something that you're interested in. Maybe start a nonprofit. Maybe, um, maybe volunteer to lead a course at church. Find things to do. Do good. Live actively. Pursue the, the activity of the kingdom of God. Be a part of those things. Say yes more than you say no. 
This is part of being patient, I think. What are we doing when we're waiting on the Lord? We're doing good. We're finding things to put our hands to. Because what does that do for us? I, th- I think it shapes character. I think it stretches us. And I think probably doing good moves us closer towards being ready for the things that God has in store. That's what I think. It's the first thing, do good. Uh, third thing, to dwell in the land. So I think it's important to sink your roots in deep. You know, I speak to a lot of young people who feel incredibly impatient about the things that are going on in their lives. And the number one thing they seem to all want to do is go, oh, I'm actually going to throw in the towel and I think I'm just going to go move to London and work in a bar. And I was like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? You've just started a business and it's, it's like kind of doing awesome. You know? Yeah, it's kind of hard, but... Stick at it. There's some good things on the horizon for you. You know, it's important for us to to dwell in the land. It's important for us to dig in. I think it's important for us to invest uh, deeply into our lives and to be content, right? Contentment, man, what is contentment? It's when your life is enough. It's when you're satisfied with where you are and when you are and who you are. And it means you don't covet the, the story of another person, but you learn to be present to your own thing. It's when you're enjoying the life that God has spread out in front of you. Contentment is not the default setting for a lot of us, but believe it or not, it is something that I believe we can cultivate, cultivate and we can practice through intentional gratitude. I just think gratitude's the key. So it's like so much, so much of our impatience is stirred from what I don't have. I'm unhappy with where I am at. And actually just taking these moments where we go, okay, just name three things. Man, they've done studies. People's, people's personal health improved over one year by just every day writing down three things that they were grateful for in their life. It introduces, gratitude introduces stability. So it's important for us to be able to dwell in the land. And springing off the back of that, uh, it's important for us to uh, enjoy safe pasture. Right. Um, so do you enjoy your life or are you so focused on the future that you're missing out on the present? So obsessed with what you don't have that you forget what you do have. So life is a gift. So talking about being present, all right? When was the last time you like sat down and you just sat with a cup of coffee and you just like, you just savored it? When was the last time you just went and you just were just present to the meal? Or when you had people around for a meal and instead of sort of rushing to clean up the table afterwards, you sort of leant back with a glass of wine in hand and you sort of laughed deeply and you, and you had this great time. It's like those moments, that's enjoying, uh, enjoying good pasture, enjoying safe pasture. It's just enjoying what's going on in our lives. Um, uh, in some translations, uh, or the, the concept of enjoying safe pasture is also translated as cultivating faithfulness. It's a farming metaphor. Um, so before someone can plant anything, they have to kind of get the soil ready. Right, you've got to churn things up, you've got to get things ready. And so part of that is kind of going, man, what's going on in my life? I'm just so present to it, I'm so about it. And as you kind of do this, what it does is it readies your soul for God to be able to plant something. Um, so the same is true for life. It's not just with the ground, but, it's, but we've got to do it with our life. So before God can do whatever it is we're waiting for, we need to get our lives ready. I think part of enjoying safe pasture is to be able to ask hard questions about what's going on in our lives. What are my finances like? Have I, have, I, have I committed and seen through the things that I've said yes to? I think there's a wonderful opportunity in terms of like, like to look at stewardship in our life. How, am I being faithful in, every area, in all these areas of my life? That's what it means to like cultivate faithfulness, to enjoy safe pasture, to move towards those things. Moving on to the next, you'll notice we're flying. 
because I only do, normally do three-point sermons, and we're doing seven. So, <clears throat> uh, The next thing is to take delight in the Lord. I want you to notice something in the psalm. It's actually a command. Take delight in the Lord. This is a command. Um, when you take delight in God, when you look to Him for your satisfaction, for your fulfillment, for your meaning, your purpose, your identity, your validation, your desires change. So it's like actually spending time and going, God, I just long for you. And it's like the more we do that, actually we become less obsessed with what we have or what we're going to have or what life's going to be about. And actually we just begin to move just a little bit closer to God and suddenly there's a, there's a sense of security and peace and comfort in that place. It's important for us. The next thing, commit. Whatever's in front of you, whatever you're en route to, commit it to God and I think what this means is to kind of make God your navigator. It's kind of like saying, hey God, here's the map that I've drawn. I feel like it's from you. I think that's the thing you've given me. I think that's the thing you've invited me towards. But Lord, I just want to commit it to you again. I just commit it to you again. And this, is like a, this has to be, I think, a daily thing. And I don't just think it's about the big decisions in my life. Oh, you know, I commit my, my future spouse, whoever that is. Or I commit our plans for a baby. Or I commit plans to like finish my doctorate and become a, I don't know, some sort of expert in some area it's like it's like God it's humbly faithfully I'm just committing this to you again is this what you want me on please speak to me it's not just about those things it's about God I commit my day to you I commit the things I'm doing help every conversation every interaction I have today speak to your glory be a representation of your kingdom I commit what I'm doing to you I think that's an important daily practice for us. And then finally, this whole thing of being still. And honestly, being still is not my natural, not my natural way of being, right? I can't handle being in traffic. I hate being late for stuff. I get real angry. I get agitated. I yell at other people. Like when I'm in my car, I'm a very vocal, raging driver, right? Okay, so it's like, man, I'm not natural at being still. Um... <laughs> But if we're intentional about finding ways of being still, of just being able to step back, to take deep breaths, to actually have moments of stillness. And for me, I think stillness uh, also looks like solitude. It's like, man, I'm just, I just do people stuff all day. So actually having these moments where I unplug and I'm just able to play like a little bit of music by myself um, or to just like listen to something, it's like those moments are critical for me. And it's almost like just in that moment of stillness, it's like... <sighs> okay, God, you're here. I'm present to you again. You're with me. Centering. It's beautiful. And so finally, after getting all of that, through all of that, right? So David sort of laid out these seven things. He finishes with this whole thing of waiting patiently for the Lord. Um, John Mark Comer says about, uh, about this, um, uh, about this particular psalm. Um, the imagery isn't of a guy sitting in a waiting room, bored out of his mind, waiting for God to call his name. It's of trusting, doing, dwelling, enjoying, cultivating, delighting, and committing. It's of a man or a woman walking with God into the future. The reality is that there's so much work to be done right now. So before you ever meet him or her or get married or before you graduate or before you aim for that promotion or before whatever... There's so much that is to happen in your life to shape you into the kind of man or woman who's ready for the next step. This psalm, these seven verses, are a picture of deliberate, active patience. Deliberate, active patience. Patience is not the static thing. It's not just the opposite of impatience. 
I think biblical patience invites us to be connecting with and looking for the movement of God in our everyday lives. And I think as we, as we look towards this year, as we step into the last few days of January and into our February and into our March, as we step into 2019 and as we hope for things and we dream for things and we're experiencing disappointments and we suffer and we celebrate and all this kind of stuff, all this kind of stuff, as we do that, we're, we're discovering, I think, the patience that God invites us towards. And so I think that is, it is a challenge and an invitation for us as we consider those things to go, okay, I want to embody some of this so that I can patiently move towards that. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.